most resistance to change isn't a result of people just resisting change. It's just a lack of clarity. And so sometimes when we talk about measuring, we all we have a tendency to simply want to measure how we're doing in terms of, you know, looking at the scoreboard. But we also have to measure all components. Unleashing your best in life and work. This is the Game Changers with Eric Bowles and host Dale Dixon. Measure what matters. But what really matters? Welcome to the Game Changers. This is the podcast helping you unleash your best in life and work with Eric Bowles. Eric coaches, trains, and inspires leaders to unleash their potential and the potential of those around them. I'm your host, Dale Dixon. I help executives craft clear, compelling communication. And together, we have these fun conversations each and every week about bringing our best to life and work. And today, uh, it's all based on a series of conversations that Eric has had as he's out speaking around this idea of measuring what matters and then diving deep into it. So tell me how, tell me exactly what you told me before we hit the record button on how, how you came about this and the, the, uh, the weird dichotomy around it. Yeah. Yeah. So it seems like that's obvious and, and it is, you know, I, I even have fun, uh, joking sometimes, they'll call myself Captain Obvious, right? Um, <laughs> but when we were talking about the importance of measuring, if I were to use it as an example of, you know, um, let's say you're uncomfortable, you're in, you're in the place you're located or whoever's listening right now, and what you say out loud is, hey, the room's cold, I'm cold. Well, great. Okay, you know, that's that you just identified a, a, a challenge. You're like, I want to be warmer. Okay, great. It just went from 60 degrees to 65 degrees. You're warmer, but I'm not warm enough. Well, until you get very clear on what warm is, what the ideal is, that term warmer is just really vague. And what's happening right now with how busy and how active everyone is, many times it's not. I heard uh, Chip and Dan Heath, the great uh, uh, change experts say it this way. Most resistance to change isn't a result of people just resisting change. It's just a lack of clarity. And so sometimes when we talk about measuring, we all, we have a tendency to simply want to measure how we're doing in terms of, you know, looking at the scoreboard. But we also have to measure all components. So when I say all components, we need to define and measure what better looks like. We also need to define and, be- and define and measure where we're currently at. And then when we do that properly, now we have a very accurate gap between the two. Now we can truly say where the X marks the spot. But what usually happens is we don't define and measure one of those possibilities, right? We just say we want to win the game or we just want to have better numbers this year. Oh, we want to hit the mark. Well, that still hasn't been really clear. And what I've learned in just spending time with some of the clients that I have, a lot of engineers in some of these com- and organizations, and I got a dear friend of mine, uh, Eric Van Alstein, who's an engineer in, in himself. And the, what they say often is uh, in, in that is, if you, you know, are the same way you have to find and measure, give a computer quantitative and qualitative information for it to know where to go. Our minds are exactly wired the same way, but we almost take it for granted. We're like, nah, does our minds really work like? No, they really do. And so if you don't give your mind something concrete to wrap around, 
it's not going to move in that direction. It's just going to work hard to maintain what currently exists. So we're literally at a time where we have to measure where we're wanting to go. This is really around this conversation we had several weeks ago around the idea of clarity, but it's getting even more specific around the the area of measurement. I think of the axiom, measure what gets measured gets managed. That's right. That's so right. I, what we're talking I, about I, is drilling in with laser focus on those specific areas that need to be managed. Yes. So one of the things I, uh, and, and, and it's okay to start a little broad, like, um, and I, I keep using the analogy, but I, I think it's a good analogy with the one with the temperature. If we just say, this is what the temperature is, I'm cold. That is a, that's a description, right? That, that, but it's still somewat vague. It's general. And, and one of the things we talked about is generality always leads to more questions. It's specificity that leads to answers. And so if I go to my um, thermostat and just say, hey, I'm cold, and, and I don't, you know, I just say, hey, it needs to be warmer, that, that's not enough. I actually got to set, I have to actually set, create a set point. What is the right temperature that I want uh, the environment to be, the, the room that I'm in? Now, again, this is obvious, but I ask leaders all the time, go to your people and ask them what they believe the set point is. What is the, what's the comfortable number? What's the number we've all agreed to that says is the one that really uh, establishes the ideal? Most time people are shocked that they haven't done that. Like, that, like that, that's like step one, right? Like, are we even on the same page? We know we want to win the game. Okay, who doesn't? Okay, but that's still pretty general. So we specifically identify the temperature, like for our thermostat, 71 degrees. Okay, that's the ideal. That's the set point. Well, in, in inside of that thermostat, you have a set point, you have a sensor, and you also have a calculator. And if these three were people and they actually talk to each other, the set point is, hey, the ideal 71 degrees, right? But the Sensor on it would then say out loud, hey, it's only 60, 60 degrees in here. And then the calculator would say, then we have 11 degrees to figure out how to fix. And this communication is constantly happening. Well, in most organizations, the furnace is on and it's working hard and everybody's working really, really, really hard. But no one's really making it clear that the set, our goal is to get to 71. And the person who knows the 60 degrees isn't communicating with the other. And so then, the, you know, in the person who knows there's a gap in the difference is probably not communicating with the other two. And this is happening in organizations all the time. Everybody's working hard. Furnace is running, but it's just running instead of really having these set points to really know where is it trying to get. Do you have some concrete examples where you've seen this happen inside of an organization. I'm thinking yes. the, the thermostat analogy makes a lot of sense. I'm trying to figure out, okay, you know, looking back in my history, where have I seen this happen before? So yeah. you've got some examples of yeah, protecting here, here, here. the names of the, of the guilty, so to speak. Okay, yeah. Removing, removing, removing the names. Okay. Yep. Removing the names. So in one particular organization that um, I'm working with right now. Okay. Um, their, they believe their goal, and and remember, it's is the they 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 have a good goal. You know, our goal is to increase our EBITDA. You know, their our profit margin uh, by ten percent. Okay, that that's that that's our goal. Okay, 
that sounds that's a that's a measurable okay that's a that's a measurable so they did part of it right they they've they've uh, measured the number so there's a 10 percent number but what they haven't done with the ideal is there's two parts of that that we have to measure the we have to define and measure the essential qualities as well as the essential quantities. Those are two pieces. So we need quality and quantity, right? So if for those who are all about the number, that makes sense. But for those who are part of the business where it's like, okay, but 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 what's, what are we actually trying to attempt? We accomplish this by 10%, but, but how? And so the way that these two things work together, they realize it was like, hey, no, actually, we want to, we are going to be this year the, Highest quality provider of X, you know, and I'm just saying that because if I said the, what the product is, make it kind of obvious, right? And which is great, but by itself, that's kind of egg. But when you attach the 10% in EBITDA, that also now we have a, a quality that's defined, which is always in, in, in hopefully this is making some sense, um, Dale. When you define qualities, you actually use words, when you define quantity, you use numbers, and we need both. So when I define the quality that we're trying to, the ideal quality, it's uh, um, uh, we, we provide the highest quality or the best service in this. It's shown or we display it because we have an EBITDA of this. This is what allows us to do, you know, so you have, we have an essential quality identified, and we have the essential quantity identified. So that's the ideal the next thing they have to do is define and measure the real. Where are we right now? And not just in guessing. So just, just like we said, all right, this is where we want to be. Where are we at? Not just in terms of the quantity, because we can easily measure where we are in terms of EBITDA. But that's not as easy to determine where we're at in terms of where our place that we want to be in, in, this, in this marketplace, in the industry. So what we have to do is we now have to go get feedback to get an understanding of just where we are in the real. Like, this is where we want to be, but where are we starting point? That starting place of where we're at is also part of, which makes it a little bit hard to hear that information because we have to go find that. We got to know what, what, what do our customers think about us right now? What does the marketplace think about us right now? Where are we at? And so if we're resistant to that feedback or not immediately going after it and cycling through that, we're going after a goal without clearly understanding the amount of distance we need to cover to actually get there. And so when I talk about defining the, the defining and measuring the ideal or the goal we're going after, we also have to define and measure accurately where we're starting. So up to this point, I, I'm thinking about the infamous Stephen Covey phrase, start with the end in mind. Mm-hmm. So that's really step one. Where do we want to be? And you're looking at it from both a qualitative and quantitative standpoint. Yes, and I'm just rephrasing here to make sure that this is sinking into my my head. Then it's go back and get a baseline. So we know where we're going. Now we're going to get a baseline to know where we're currently at. Yes. What's the delta between the two? Yep. Now, now we start working on the specific areas on how to decrease the delta. Yes. Working on decreased delta now, but this is when 
psychology gets involved. This is mm. when, okay, okay, this is when all people those other get involved. Yes. Yeah, they're when people get involved. When, this is when all those variables start kicking in, such as variables that are not always as easy to measure, such as commitment level and resiliency and willingness to learn and and openness to feedback and see because once the delta shows up you got to start asking is why does that delta exist and the reality i tell this to so many leaders most of us do not like feedback we 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 say we do but we don't we especially we don't like frequent feedback or very transparent feedback we like anonymous, semi-annual performance reviews. You know, we, we like these formalized processes that we kind of got to guess what are people thinking. No, when you're really trying to say, when you've clearly identified, defined and measured, when I say identify, when you define and measure what the goal is, and you're, this is what we want to be, and then you've been also courageous enough to define and measure where you're currently at, like with open eyes, now we see the gap. Now it starts coming with real. Co- why does it exist and how do we close it? Right. That requires real, honest, at times difficult feedback, but it's worth it. This is one of those things, places where with organizations all the time, you're going to work hard anyways. So you might as well work hard on the right stuff, the stuff that creates high leverage uh, uh, um, change, high leverage impact, because if we get this right, it's what closes the gap. And so when I'm working with these organizations, hey, this sounds so easy in a, in a boardroom or with your, with your team, you sit there until you start having to have the real conversation of comparing where the ideal to the real, which starts revealing where gaps are. And usually when the gaps start being revealed, all everything heightens, accountability heightens, Honesty heightens. Who's responsible for what heightens? Uh, are we going to fix it? Uh, I got to remove some. In some cases, I, I got to, as a leader, I got to be willing to have some of the difficult conversations in that moment. We got to reach out to some of our customers and, and find out where we're really at. I mean, it really changes the game when you start having to cl- close that delta. Okay. We call them people opportunities. <laughs> I like I like that I, I like that people opportunity. One of the things I do uh, ask uh, ask of leaders when they're in the when they've done a good job of defining, you know, because again I say all before is specificity that our minds want is specifics that our our our, our people want. Uh, and I here here's a quick little example as a not only just from a business standpoint. But uh, I experienced it in my playing days, but also I, I see it now. Like it, it's the difference between saying, "Okay, I need to really get serious about exercise." Okay, yeah, that that's that that's true. But then when I change the word and says and say to myself, "I need to run three times a week for thirty minutes." Okay, the second one is far more concrete. The second one, the the probability of movement and action probably went up 60-70% because my mind wants something concrete to move toward. Even if what I'm hearing is concrete, is difficult. It, it, the difficulty doesn't matter. The clarity does. So it, even if what I'm, we have to do from a concrete standpoint is really hard, but if it's clear, the solutions to closing that gap come a lot faster. 
And so when, when I talk to leaders all the time, they're like, ah, sometimes we don't want to have that difficult conference. I'm saying then you're wasting time because what you, what you don't realize is the clearer you are, the more you define and measure, possibilities, answers will then show up. They don't show up until you get as clear as possible. So all the busy work you're doing without wanting to really define and measure is many times a bunch of wasted time. Like it's wasted effort. Instead of wasting effort, do that first. And then that starts to remind us just the amount of effort it's going to actually take. Hopefully that's making some sense. Absolutely. Yeah. Courageous. Be courageous in this area of seeking clarity is what I'm hearing. So, as I'm thinking now, so we have your people opportunities, feedback, defining what needs to be measured, identifying the gaps, defining what needs to be measured. I'm thinking back to your example of the thermostat and the specific pieces, those three pieces inside the thermostat. So you have the piece that's measuring the the temperature. You have the piece that says the set point where we want to go with the temperature. And then you have the piece in the middle that says... Uh, okay, what do we need to do to get where we're going? So what does that look like inside the organization, inside the leadership structure, helping people stay on task between where we're at now and where we are going? Yeah, so so what it looks like inside an organization, first thing is to keep in mind is everybody doesn't have the same task. All tasks are important. But that's not everybody's skill set. So there are some teams who get together and I'm like, look, you have some people on this team who are great at establishing the set point, what the vision is. Uh, some others are great at, you know, not the sob story, but very clear who, who have no. I mean, they have a clear line of sight. They're bold enough to tell you exactly where you're at, like capitalize on that. Don't complain about it. Don't call them negative individuals on a team. They're necessary because a leader not only defines uh, uh, what the possibility can be, but the also a leader defines reality for what it is. And when I say a leader does that, I mean a leadership team does that. Maybe the individual leader can't do all these components or that's not their strength. There's one particular work, leader I work with right now. He's a, he is a total optimist. It is, he, I mean, he's so optimistic. But his CFO will tell you, man, it is hard to be a CFO for an optimist, right? <laughs> okay, so, so he said, my job is to help balance him out, right? Now, those are those two aspects. But that his chief, his chief operating officer, his, 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 the, the, who's right in the middle, oh, my gosh, he's responsible in many cases for closing that gap. But the three of them admire and respect the strength they bring to the table. And so it's really about the use of those three working together, not that one's bigger than uh, They're all critical. So what happens sometimes when these kind of conversations happen, like a, a person who's bringing up the problems or the challenges sometimes gets viewed as, oh, Debbie Downer. Oh, that, no, sometimes, you know, hey, they're looking at reality for what it is. I always say a positive attitude isn't a denial of reality. A positive attitude has more to do with the direction we're going. I can look reality in his face and still see that we can get there. But in order to get there, we got to be so honest about these dynamics. So within an organization, someone's people are always going to be responsible with that gap being closed. Here's what's critical. It's critical from a communication standpoint that we're always doing stuff with context around it. So if I'm working at closing the gap, I should be always aware of what the set point is. If 
if my job, if, if I'm establishing a set point or working on a set point, I should always be aware of where we're starting from. Right, because that'll keep me from living in la la land. If I'm working in the middle, I should know uh, not only what the set point is, but I also should be aware and constantly communicate of where we came from because I gotta feel the benefits of progress. So this is where we were, but this is where we are as we not there yet, but we have made made gains and momentum. I say it all the time: momentum is a leader's best friend. So. The way that these things work together like a team does is constant. There's no big eyes, little uses. We're in this together. But the roles we have aren't all the same. I'm hearing you talk about self-actualization. I know what my strengths are. I know what the strengths of those on my team are. And we're going to leverage those strengths to our collective benefit as an organization. And, and Dale, one last point I want to make about that when you talk about the thermostat in the process, if you look how the thermostat works. It cycles constantly. It's the, 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 the sensor is constantly evaluating what is the temperature now. The set point never changes. It sits there. It, it, now, if any point it gets to the 71 degrees, if it gets to 73 degrees or if it's at 69 degrees, it at some point, if it gets out of that range, either the cooling system kicks in or the furnace kicks on. Right. So, so, but the feedback has to be constant. This isn't a one-time conversation. And then we come back at the, at the end of the quarter or in six months or at the end of the year and then reevaluate where we are. No, we're constantly giving feedback because now subtle point, this is kind of a nuance, but this is what I want every leader to know why this, this kind of work and this kind of context is so important. Because one of the things that we have a, as leaders that we are responsible for is the, the, the efficiency or the effectiveness of how we use resources that we have, especially limited resources. So when it comes to problem solving or, or, or any of this stuff we're working on or, or reaching these ideals, we don't want to, we don't want to um, under deliver, you know, on what we're trying to get done or, or, you know, or, or, but also, we got to be careful not to overdo it. Like, like our ultimate goal is use just enough energy in this area to get to this outcome. But if we used a ton just to get to this outcome, that's not a good solution. That's oversalt. That's that's that we we made it way too complex. And so this is why the feedback is so important because you have to manage and balance how much effort or how is going. People always like, hey, our goal, you know, we define effectiveness by did we win? I said that's a bad way to measure effectiveness. What you need to measure effectiveness, how much effort did we efficiently use to be as effective as possible? That is our ultimate goal, because if we're doing that right now, we still have additional resource to take on future possibilities or take on other opportunities that may show up. And we didn't wear out our entire team and our whole group. I was like, say, hey, if your team wins simply on big plays, and they, well, you're in trouble because you can't depend on those big plays every time. So this cycling ensures that we uh, that that we don't under, but also that we don't under deliver, but also that we don't over deliver. That whole language of hey man, we gotta we gotta over deliver. Yeah, we want to over deliver on the, our customers' expectations in terms of their joy, but the amount of effort it takes us to do it. 
proof that we're innovative and proof that we're getting better and better is that it's taking less effort to accomplish more, not more effort to barely accomplish the same thing. So that's why this cycling of feedback, set point, real, uh, the sensor in the middle, it's so critical that that dialogue keeps going back and forth. The pieces are in place and functioning on a constant, consistent basis uh, because it's all about, yeah, it's managing momentum. You know, back to what you said, I mean, you're managing momentum. You cannot ramp something up and have it running full tilt hundred percent of the time. It doesn't work in the machine world. It doesn't work in the human world. Yep. Yeah. Our, our brain, uh, you know, uh, I I think it was Vince Lombardi who said exhaustion will make cowards of us all. Right. Mm. And you know, the, the exhaustion, but this is where the conversation and communication is so critical. Uh, this is why whoever's establishing the ideal, whoever establishes the set point or the group, and we do it together, is always in getting at least feedback and aware of where we are for those who are dealing with where we're currently existing and those who are responsible with the work in the middle. And the reason is, if you only live in the vision area, and you, uh, the quote, and I, I quote it as often as possible, is idealism grows in direct proportion to one's distance from the problem, right? And so if I'm up here (laughs) setting these great ideals and I'm that far removed from the actual work, I won't appreciate or even recognize how much work it is to establish that set point, right? Like, okay, guys, this isn't complicated. Why can't we just do this? Well, that's an easy question you ask from sitting there. So when you're constantly in communication, when the set point stays in constant communication with the sensor, who stays in constant constant communication with the furnace, who stays in constant, now we are beginning to value what the different contributions are. And it becomes part of our decision making as we go forward. Man, when you got the momentum like that, that's special. But it, you have to do it consistently. Mm. This communication process is a cycling. It's happening constantly. It's not just an annual thing. Okay. Once again, we have a tremendous amount to think about and implement and work on inside of our businesses. Thank you, Eric. I will remind folks, this is a podcast. We love it when people find it and listen to it and share it. So if you could help us on that front, we would really appreciate it. It's super easy. While you're in your podcast listening app, just give us a rating. Hopefully we've earned five stars from you today. While you're there, write a quick review. That always helps. Say, what what has this podcast meant to you and your business? And then share it. Just grab that link. Share it with someone that you think would benefit by listening. Also, if you're watching on YouTube, you know all of uh, what needs to happen. You can subscribe to the channel on YouTube. Also, hit the the like button and share that link with someone who needs to hear this podcast today. So with that, you can find more about Eric and what he does in helping leaders unleash their potential and the potential of those around them. The website is thegamechangersinc.com, The GameChangersInc.com is the website. You can also find him on LinkedIn. You have a fantastic day, Eric. Thank you so much. Appreciate you, my friend. Absolutely. You too. This is the Game Changers Podcast, unleashing your best in life and work. The Game Changers, unleashing your best in life and work with Eric Bowles and Dale Dixon. Eric is an executive coach, 
leadership expert, change consultant, and keynote speaker. Read his book, Moving to Great, and find him at ericbowles.com. Connect with Dale at daledexonmedia.com. <laughs>